Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey, and I'm continuing our unorthodox approach to She-Hulk this season, and it is once again just me. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and reveal the truth. The reason that Jude and I have not been able to work together for the last half of this season is, unfortunately, budget cuts. We can only afford one microphone now, so we have to just share between each other, and that is why we have been alternating weeks. I'm very sorry to have to reveal that to you, but hopefully here within the next few weeks, we will be able to get a second microphone and enjoy the banter back and forth once again. But until then, we got a bit of house cleaning to get into before uh, jumping into this episode. First of all, I want to say, Jude, thank you so much for helping last week and doing the show solo. Uh, unfortunately, I was sick, so I did not get to weigh in on that one. But I thought the conversation or talking points that Jude had was very enjoyable and quite similar to mine. I uh, Not getting too, too much into it. I did enjoy last week's episode. Uh, I thought the reintroduction of Matt Murdock to the MCU was wonderfully handled. And yeah, and, and some of that conversation will continue into this week, uh, but I just wanted to share my brief thoughts uh, from last week. And of course, if you are in the Discord, uh, you got to hear my thoughts as we did our rewatch last Monday at 7 p.m. Central, and I'm here again to remind you that we are still doing uh, She-Hulk rewatches on Monday at 7 p.m. Central. If you want to join us for the She-Hulk finale, make sure you join the Discord and look to the top left corner where there will be an event section that you can click a localized time reminder to know when we get started to watch together. And the week of this episode, on Saturday, October 22nd, we're going to be having our monthly game night. So if you're not familiar with what this is, it is a night where we get together and play some multiplayer games. Traditionally, I try to keep games free and cross-platform so people don't have to worry about what console or platform or whatever to join. Uh, this month, we're going to be playing some Jackbox 9, which will be new, and we're going to be playing Rocket League. Of course, Rocket League is free to play, and Jackbox, as long as you have access to a browser and join us in the Discord to see the streamed version of the game from my end, you can come and play with us. And we have talked about it. We do want to cover Werewolf by Night. Uh, we're going to take advantage of the fact that Halloween is on Monday this year. So rather than try to fit Werewolf by Night as a bonus drop with She-Hulk, we decided to give She-Hulk its due, cover the episode, the, the wrap-up episode, and then on October 31st, we will have our Werewolf by Night coverage. Now, to celebrate that, we also want to do a Werewolf by Night group watch. So, Sunday, October 30th at 4 p.m. Central, if you join the Discord, I will be streaming it there for us to watch together. All right, enough of the housekeeping up here at the top. If you download this episode, then you know we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 9 of She-Hulk, titled... Whose show is this? Now, the way that I'm going to handle this is I'm going to continue with our pre-spoiler thoughts, and then we will get into the spoiler zone, where normally we do most important topics. But if you've seen this episode, there is a big event that happens, and rather than going through different topics, I'm going to discuss before the event and discuss after the event. And leading into my pre-spoiler thought, this is for sure an incredibly mind-bending episode. Uh, it was incredibly surreal watching it and just kind of being mind blown by what was happening on screen. And in doing so, there's definitely a lot of fun parts, but also some discussion of the nature of storytelling 
that that I think we can get into. But what remains true throughout all of this, throughout all nine episodes, is this show is incredibly smart and knows what it wants to be and excels at doing that. So regardless of any nitpicks I may have here or there, I have enjoyed this season. And I think this finale was a very fitting end for what it sets out to do. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the spoiler zone. You're going to hear an audio cue, which will take us into the spoiler zone, where it'll be fair game for all spoilers in the MCU. We'll see you on the other side. And we're back. So, like I said, this this episode actually reminded me a lot of episode four of Moon Knight, The Tomb, because I remember whenever we covered that episode, it was with Leech. And it was this feeling where we were trying to discuss the episode at face value, knowing there was a hippo in the room that we needed to address. So rather than just taking things at face value this time, I'm going to acknowledge there is a major meta moment that happens, and I'm going to quickly run through some of those beginning parts, and then we'll get into the meta goodness. So those are your two most important topics, quote unquote, uh, an untraditional way to handle this, but we're going to do it. So I'm going to start with Jin. This episode opens up with a wonderful homage to the Incredible Hulk 1978 TV show. I think it might be a one-for-one shot of that TV show's intro redone with Jin and relevant characters of this series. Uh, It was a very fun way to do it, and I think it signifies the tone at which this show is handling the major revelations of this series. It's fun. It doesn't necessarily have to mean to anything greater. It is just a fun opportunity that they have taken with these characters at hand. And they also use that opening to catch us up to speed with the aftermath of Jin's actions from the gala. Uh, We find out that she's been arrested, which I remember hearing that opening intro and thinking, man, that is uh, is some heavy information just to drop. (laughs) (laughs) in that in that and just let us take it at face value but she is and she is back at that supermax prison that abomination was in uh she's lost her job she is now living with her parents because she no longer has her own place it is tough times for jennifer walters uh and i think the biggest thorn in her side is that there is almost little to no recourse that she has with intelligentsia now The first hint that we get at this is whenever Mallory Book shows up and Jin starts laying out the groundwork of everything they need to do to prosecute these guys who stole her information. But Mallory Book is very quick to say, you know what? This is not about them. This is about your case. Uh, And we find out that Jin is under, I don't think, house arrest. What's the term? Superpower arrest? She can no longer turn into the She-Hulk form, which is very reminiscent of the same bargain that Blonsky got. Now, I find this a very interesting place to be because so much of the conversation that Jude and I and other guests have had throughout this entire series is there is this constant conflict between what Jen wants and what the world wants of Jen. And so having her have that moment where she's like, well, I got what I wanted, but this this doesn't quite feel right. Does this is this what you want? Like that kind of self-reflection from a character is normally good in a non-meta sense, but even in this meta sense, knowing where we're going, that uh, was a nice reflective moment to get to to kind of kick us off into the zany. Uh, and I do like that we're kind of back to square one of episode two. 
Now, if you remember from our coverage, episode two was the one that I felt was the true start of the series, whereas episode one was the hook of like, oh, we've got this new character, we've got Bruce Banner, here's all the fun they're having, and then it resets to status quo of Jen's life with this new Hulk in the room. Uh, Hulk form in the room, I should say. This is... I've talked about it when the last time Jude and I got together. I wasn't expecting a tight-knit formula of the story circle, but putting Jin back to where she started, but this time having changed, uh, I liked it. I think that was a great place to put her here. Now, I think that's as far as we can get with the Jin side of the story before we get to the big meta moment. So I'm going to switch gears over to Nikki and Pug uh, in this episode, because once again, quite like episode five, Mean Green and Straight Poured into these jeans, Nikki and Pug get to team up and really shine together in this episode. So starting with Nikki, I love that continuous ride or die nature that she has for Jen, where she's totally willing to help. Uh, as she's clearing out her office, she informs Jen that she has stole all the food and, and complimentary stuff and put it in Jen's car. Uh, you know, she's very gun ho about stopping this group by any and all means necessary, despite Jen's wishes. And despite a questionable, even by her own admission, transgression of sharing the twerking video on the Intelligentsia website, she still is doing a lot of groundwork here to discover who it is behind Intelligentsia. So I really love what Nikki's doing here. Uh, she's a really great friend to Jen. And the part that I love that stays true to whenever she was in the pop-up event for Titania is despite everything she's willing to do for Jen, she still is taking care of herself as well. There's that quick line where she's like, I've got your back, but I'm totally staying here because the pay is really good. And so I'm glad that they have that healthy level of understanding among everybody. Now, I will say, speaking again of Nikki having that transgression, it is very funny that the video used to spark the Intelligentsia Hive to reveal their secrets is a video of Jin twerking in college, which is very funny in a predictable meta nature of the show, given how much people were so upset with Jin twerking with Meg the Stallion in episode three. Or four, whatever episode that was. Uh, so again, that comes full circle. Glad they got to have that. Can't imagine they knew that was coming, but they knew it was coming because they're intelligent writers. So yeah, I love everything they're doing with Nikki here and how it eventually culminates to the moment where she enlists Pug's help uh, to continue on with her plan to expose Intelligentsia. Now, the fact that Pugliese has to infiltrate this group of misogynists and be incredibly gross is on its own hilarious. But the fact that Nikki is the one who's feeding him what to do and say makes it even better because Pug is so clearly uncomfortable with it. But Nikki almost has like this. I don't know if gleeful is the right word, but of course she has been in these situations and knows exactly how gross these dudes can be. So I'm glad that she got to be the coach from the sidelines throughout that moment. Uh, and I love that we get to see heartwarming moments from pug uh early on in the episode way back at the beginning wherever i guess off screen Jin had instructed pug to call hulk uh he gets to have a little freak out moment he's like i tried to remain as calm as possible given the fact that i was calling the freaking hulk pug remains one of my favorites pug and nikki together remains my favorites throughout this series and given that the show itself Talks about potential season two. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to these two hopefully getting more screen time. Now, 
part of the revelation with Nikki and Pug is that all of this is culminating to Blonsky's retreat. Now, the show admits it itself. This feels like plot lines are being thrown together. Is this convenient that we have Titania, Blonsky, Todd, Pug, Nikki, Hulk, She-Hulk all coming together in this one place? Yes. But given the lighthearted nature of this show, I think it works, especially knowing uh, what it is they're doing with Jen in the post-meta break. So kind of going through these a little bit uh, one by one. I already mentioned I enjoyed uh, Pug having to step into the group of misogynists. Uh, this is where we get to see the affirmation that Todd is an incredibly rude and terrible person, but he's not alone. I love all the chit chatter that you can hear throughout this episode uh, of the sexism and the discrimination towards women. Uh, you enter in on a conversation where one guy's like, it's not even like we have a He-Hulk or another guy who's talking about like Lady Thor. I'd have the same criticisms if she was a man. Like this show is, again, putting forth the bad faith arguments on full display here and getting to show them for the for the ridiculousness that they are. Uh, another one that is commonly thrown around is the look, it's not about that. It's just about picking the best person for the job. That's who should get the job, which is clearly code for fragile male ego. So I'm glad we got to see that. Unfortunately, it's it's weird to say glad I got to see that. But I mean, it, it's cathartic towards what this show has been building to. And Todd literally is given a moment to reveal his master plan and reaffirm the other sentiments of like, I had to earn this Hulk power. I had I paid Josh to seduce you and get your blood. I had my team synthesize this serum so that I could get the powers too. And it's so darkly comedic that Todd is going on and waxing poetically about having to earn this when he talks about all the ways that he was relying on other people's works and ultimately refers to himself as a Hulk King, which is not always about hard work. So I think the blatant double standard of this all is is intentional, uh, unfortunately comedically funny, and it coincides with something I'm not entirely sure was by design, but we've kind of get an unintentional or intentional dunk on life coaches because the razor thin line between the false or maybe not false, maybe the hollow platitudes of self-help from Blonsky is very thin to what it takes to incite the rage from those men in that group. It's very darkly funny, unsettling. Is it completely what they're going for? I'm not entirely sure, but it, it was a bit of a relief that Blonsky seemingly wasn't there to be part of that group. He was just renting out that space for them to have their event and was being hired as a life coach. By his own words, nothing bad, just profit. So I think this all exists in that place that Leach and I talked about uh, in episode seven. There's this continuously gray area feeling of who can he trust? Can he trust these guys? Are they good? Not entirely sure. Even up until the moment where Jin arrives at the retreat after we discover this is where Intelligentsia is meeting as well. 
Uh, I thought they played that off really well of Nikki and Pug getting there, then Jen getting there, and no one quite knowing that they were all there together. Uh, that really ratcheted up the tension, and it begins to really start to tighten whenever you run into Wrecker. Now, I talked about Wrecker specifically. He's kind of a weird insert here because there is this weird logic place you can find yourself if you think too hard about what this show uh, does in regards to character choice and actions. But but even without getting into those deeper conversations we might have after the meta break, it is effective that we're still left wondering what involvement Wrecker or Blonsky or whoever may have in this until things end. So yeah, I, I don't know entirely what they were trying to do here with Wrecker, but at least until this moment... Or at least within this moment, it is great at tension building. Um, so yeah, I think I'm hitting pretty much all the high points uh, possible for this before the meta break. So let's go ahead and move into the next section of this episode, which is after the meta. Once again, the convergence of all these plot lines. We've got Todd, we've got Josh, Hulk, Blonsky, Jen, Nikki, Pug, and Titania. They all seem to gather together at this one point to the acknowledgement of Jin, who says, man, this just feels all thrown together. This can't be what you want. And then it cuts to the Disney Plus low, uh, Disney Plus menu. And that is where my brain started to break. Is Up until now, we've had these meta acknowledgements of the real world, pop culture, the world within itself, but knowledge that Jin shouldn't have but does stuff like that this was full-on reality breaking meta and for a moment i didn't even know how to process it this is what i'm talking about where it feels like that moment in the tomb of moon knight where you end on the hippo and everything you thought you know has just been upended so this is where i'm gonna get a little bit nitpicky trust me when i say i did enjoy this episode uh, but we're going to walk through this a little bit before we get to some of the fun stuff. I am 100% glad that part of the early conversations that Jude and I had getting into She-Hulk is this new rule that I suggested that we abide by. If continuity breaks for humor, it does not hold the same weight as if it were delivered in a traditional MCU circumstance. It just it can't. We were seeing these constant questions about whether or not, like, hey, this timeline doesn't make sense. She-Hulk keeps breaking this. And I think we had to meet this show. Well, let me rephrase this. If you're going to like this show, not that you have to like this show, there's an element of meeting it halfway. And this is the halfway mark that I'm meeting it with of, if it's a joke, I'm not going to hold it as accountable. However, that in a way feels like it comes back to bite the show a bit despite the fact this is my own rule, but bear with me because I do love the meta nature of Jen breaking from reality, jumping into ours and completely upending the experience that we were having. I mean, it is a completely surreal experience watching her interact with our quote unquote real world because it opens up these questions of like, how real are these people that she's meeting? Is that writer's room exactly people who are writing the show? I know I saw Jessica Gow in there, but I didn't take the time to research and look into any of the other writers, um, honestly, because I didn't want to melt my mind anymore. But like, 
those sort of boundary pushing questions start to open up a lot of avenues to fall into this logical pit. I mean, for example, whenever the actual assembled documentary comes out for She-Hulk, are we going to see narrative bits of She-Hulk in the assembled documentary and continue blurring this line between real and not real? Whatever. I like that because I think that is that is incredibly clever writing, especially with the way this show has used that knowledge to call out the MCU's tendencies. Again, I said it earlier, Jen not being happy with the way the world is dictating what she would want rather what rather than what she wants comes to a literal representation here. She talks to Kevin the knowledge-enhanced visual interconnectivity nexus that is called out for its MCU traditional formula. To have your character call itself formulaic is so funny. It is not It is not the traditional ending that we were expecting. Like, How often have you heard Jude and I talk about these shows ending in a huge spectacle that we feel like this show has to have that doesn't quite necessarily fit with what the show was telling us beforehand, and this show is straight up using our words with spectacle. Now, I'm not saying that we are the first to point this out, but this show is acknowledging the complaints of the real world, and I think that is that is awesome. Now... Where this is a tonal whiplash for me is I'm totally fine with the show having its comic booky fourth wall breaking meta fun, but there's also conflicts with dropping some major implications for the larger world. Uh, last week, we found out about the Sokovia Accords being repealed. Uh, this week, we found out about Hulk apparently having a son. It, it becomes harder to take these things seriously when we see a character basically speak to their god their creator like they i don't know if that level of storytelling can exist together like i think it could have its fun i don't know how much it gets to inflict the world around it because it doesn't feel fair um even by the show's admission again i feel like i keep saying the show's admission but by all natures the show is a character this week so bear with me on that front too but Jin is told directly you should not be able to pull this stunt again. They're going to fix whatever problem they had that allowed her to do this. So this is a one-time event. I'd be lying if I said there wasn't a part of me whenever I would start to think about the show that didn't feel slightly... I think it was Jude who, who felt this way. I, I forget. It's been so long since we saw Loki. But there was this feeling whenever we had that scene of the multiple Infinity Stones being just stored in the drawer because it didn't matter, where people were left feeling like... Well, then what does this matter? I I get there, kind of, with She-Hulk. Like, if, if you can have an entire season exploring these choices of these characters, regardless of how good it's going to be or not be, and then you can just delete whole storylines, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I, if I enjoyed that for storytelling or just enjoyed it for the meta nature. And again, like I said, this is very nitpicky. I, I think it's fun. I think it's smart. I'm not actually this concerned about the implications moving forward because of the rule that I'm abiding by. But it is, like I said, a weird spot to put itself in when the show wants to call itself out for being boring when it was the person that put itself in the boring place anyway. Then the story becomes less about Jen and what she wants versus the world wanting of her and more about the show itself. So 
people who are listening to this know should know how much of a community fan I am. There's an episode in particular where one of the meta themed characters gets into making a movie about making a movie, which then becomes the movie of itself. This is what I'm feeling like a little bit. So rather than going further into the meaning of narrative storytelling, let's enjoy uh, some of the fourth wall breaks by kind of walking through them again. So I mentioned already, I did enjoy Jen getting to meet with the writer's room, seeing the walls uh, being labeled with post-it notes as they're breaking the story episode by episode and throwing up different ideas for this and that. Uh, I think even when you walk into the room, one of the writers is saying like, well, what if we make season two a whole dream sequence? Uh, Stuff like this where they're poking fun at themselves. It's always fun to see a show do that. Uh, And if I'm not mistaken, I've, I've read a lot of reactions on Reddit and the internet, uh, the whole internet, no, uh, Twitter, where uh, this is true to the comics. This is something that She-Hulk has done by literally speaking to the writers of the comic within the comic itself. So it's cool that they were able to adapt that into the show. Now, I did, I did really enjoy that we kind of got our quote-unquote spectacle fight sequence, which is really just Jin fighting the security guards at Marvel Studios. Uh, I thought that was really fun. And I looked this up because I was so happy about this idea. Unfortunately, you cannot get tours of Marvel Studios. But if that is either a replica or the studios themselves, there has to be a commemorative hole in the wall from where Jin threw one of the guards in there left up there permanently as an inside joke for the people who work there. Uh, I love seeing her get to interact with that. Uh, even the joke about how despite her signing the NDA, she still gets security called on to her because everyone has to sign the NDA regardless. Um, just again, the idea of a character having to sign a non-disclosure agreement about the show that which in they exist is just you can go fall down so many layers with this uh kevin himself i've already talked about him he is the sentient ai algorithm that is in charge of all the storylines of the mcu you you get this room where jen walks in and she sees a bunch of screens and it's all the movies we've known all the comic books uh it honestly i mentioned loki earlier it does feel like that room where Loki is taken in by Mobius and he gets to watch his life play out before him. This is that, but on the entire universe's scale. Uh, so that that was fun. Uh, I like the way they modeled the AI robot to look like it is wearing a hat, similar to the way Kevin Feige does in real life. Uh, and I like that it was kind of this, uh, for fans of the Portal 1 and 2 games, GLaDOS feeling, which is this like robot armature thing that is very very reminiscent of what they're doing here with uh kevin i will say it's also very funny that i kind of guessed what was going to happen in regards to uh the kevin revelation because i am one of the people who watches with captions as well and they spell out k dot e dot so on and so forth whereas whenever Jin is talking about kevin it's spelled out as just the name so that was kind of telegraphed but It was a, even if it wasn't an intended joke, I'm sure with the captions, it was funny to kind of have that like subtle release of like, oh, are they really going to show Kevin and know before Jen knows? It was almost like our own little meta on top of a meta. I do love the way we got a lot of movie related teases. 
So I'm going to start with this one. Uh, Kevin telling Jin that for budget reasons, she needs to transform, but not only transform, but do it off screen because it's cheaper was fantastic because it is underscored with him saying, look, our VFX artists have moved on to the next project and the Black Panther theme song is playing. So what a fun nod to what's coming next in the MCU. Uh, Another movie nod is whenever Kevin's trying to explain to Jen that the reason that Hulk needed to show up in the barn was because he needed to pass on this information. She's like, ah, no, 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 just save it for the movie. This could be a possible solo movie or a solo Hulk movie tease. Uh, For those who are familiar, there hasn't been a solo Hulk movie since The Incredible Hulk with Edward Norton in 2008 because of some rights agreements where Hulk can appear in other stories. But if Hulk has his own solo movie, Universal still has the distribution rights, therefore money. I'm not entirely sure. It's been a long time since I brushed up on that. Regardless, there are talks that this may be coming on, coming to an end, allowing Marvel Studios to create solo Hulk movies. So this could be that, or given what we know of Captain America New World Order, maybe this is something that plays into there. Generally, we don't get into casting rumors or information about this or that, but given that Marvel Studios themselves have officially announced that the leader from the incredible hulk oh what was his name it was the guy with the big head samuel stearns played by tim blake nelson will be appearing in captain america new world order this could be teeing up for that who knows the other fun movie nod is whenever uh kevin and jen are parting and kevin says see you on the big screen and jen turns around is like really and he quickly pulls the rug out from under her and says, of course not. So I love the the banter back and forth between them. Um, and I love the way Jin is basically advocating for us. Uh, there's a moment where she's just like sitting on the ground, just labeling like, yeah, what is up with all these daddy issues? Thor, daddy issues. Loki, same daddy, same issues. Uh, Star-Lord, two daddies, two issues. <laughs> that was really fun. And it, it gets to that moment where she's like, okay, when are we going to get the X-Men? And she turns to the camera and gives like a thumbs up and sticks out a tongue. That stuff is is really, uh, I love it. It is, it is 100% with the fans in mind. So even if I have whatever gripes I may have about storytelling, that itself is worth the price of admission because it is very funny. Okay, whew. That was a lot to handle. Uh, This was me processing the meta nature of it itself, which has taken a full 24 hours. What's today? Today's Friday. Yeah, just over a full 24 hours for me to uh, work out my feelings with that. So we're going to wrap this up with Jen's happily ever after scenario. Uh, She's dictated the story she wants. Uh, We finally get to see her truly live within what she wants of this world, which means no weird Todd Hulk power. And I love the delineation that she gives of it's not the power that's the villain, it's him. Uh, So I'm glad that he still gets repercussions for his actions. Uh, I'm glad that Hulk is replaced with Matt Murdock, uh, given how well they worked together last week and the chemistry that has formed between them. I'm so glad that we got to get more Matt Murdock, uh, especially as it leads to the very cute scene of them introducing themselves to Jen's family. I love that stuff. Like 100%. I 
I've been in the Marvel Studios subreddit a lot, and there was a question that was posed if you could choose to designate any sort of topic to be another Marvel Studios special similar to that of Werewolf by Night, meaning, you know, a one-off, one-hour entry, the first immediate thing I thought of was something to the style of the Avengers party from Age of Ultron. Uh, that sort of bonding and getting to live their lives is... I think necessary to create this like believable world of people and little segments like this, where Jen is at a backyard barbecue with a budding relationship with Matt Murdock and her family is very sincere, especially given how we had her questioning openly of like, Oh, this is what I want, but it doesn't feel quite right. And then telling Kevin, these are my stakes. I was just getting comfortable with being Jin and being She-Hulk, and that is the stasis that I want to return to. So very happy about that. Uh, Blonsky. Again, this is what I was talking about, the weird logical pitfall you can fall into. What does it mean for Blonsky to be held accountable when his only reason for being accountable was because Jin dictated it in the Kevin room? Who knows? I'm just glad that after all that, Abomination is not the villain in hiding that we were speculating that he could be. Uh, I don't think he's a clear-cut good guy, but he is somebody that is still in that gray area uh, that we could see come back again. And I hope we do, because I, I really enjoyed this new reinvigorated life of Emil Blonsky. Uh, it is also great that she got her job back. The closing scene that we get is, the, of course, the media being the media, dictating her getting her job back, being continuing the double standards by asking her what she's wearing, calling her a diva and whatnot. But at the very least, Jen climbs those stairs and is able to affirm that she will fight for anyone who is harmed or hurt in any way. And it is both in the courtroom and as She-Hulk that she has found that stasis to do what feels right for her. So... It's a very good punctuation on this paragraph of a season. Now, the last thing to tackle here is I can't remember exactly what it, it's got to be episode one and two, because that was the only other ones that that Hulk was in it in an extended period of time. So, yeah, I'm going to say episode one. I proposed the idea to Jude that is it possible that part of the Hulk powers is fourth wall breaking and it's just that Jin is more attuned to it than hulk because hulk notices she was talking to us even if he quite didn't quite comprehend it so it kind of hinted us this idea that it is possible on the spectrum of hulk powers to have that ability so whenever we get to the end tag where it is revealed that wong is coming to the aid of blonsky and he's like oh i'm so sorry i'm late Blonsky says, oh, did you get sucked into another show? And for half a beat, there's a part of me that was like, oh, is this confirmation of me being right? And of course, no, it was just Wong getting sucked into another TV because we are in the era of peak TV. That is a clever joke. That is clever writing. This show, I already said the punctuation on the end of the paragraph, this meta in tag is meta without even being meta. So I love this show. I love where the writers are. It's a very good sense of humor. Still upset that they had that weird break with the end tags for what? The last three episodes until now. Uh, but at least we got one here and it was quite enjoyable. 
So yeah, that is season one, episode nine of She-Hulk. Whose show is this? That is our season finale, uh, which is going to leave me for my final thoughts of the week. So this is normally a section for us to make predictions, uh, things to consider moving forward and stray thoughts. Of course, predictions aren't really applicable here because we, well, you know what? No, this, there's never going to be another opportunity like this. I am going to make a prediction on the finale. We see She-Hulk return in the assembled documentary, and it will be a narrative bit within that show. Even if it's like for a minute, we will see that take place whenever that assembled documentary takes place. So I'm throwing a prediction down. Uh, Stray thoughts. I got a quick one. Uh, early on in the beginning of the episode, wherever, whenever Jin is trying to text both Hulk and uh, Abomination, she is like scrolling very quickly through her texts. And if you pause like the creep that I am, you can read those texts. And there is the never going to give you up Rick Astley lyrics. And it is, I think it ends on somebody literally just called Rick. So I thought that was very funny. I got Rick rolled by trying to be Snoopy and, and checking those texts. Uh, and that was a very fun visual gag. And finally, Things to consider moving forward. We know Deadpool's coming. We talked about it two weeks ago. Deadpool 3, Wolverine joined together. Uh, Deadpool is another character who is very well known for making fourth wall meta breaks. I think this is a great basis for us to understand what to expect by the time that we get to Deadpool 3. Uh, I think this is the very first real examination of of how the MCU is going to handle the meta side of this. And given what we've seen here, I'm excited. I think they're going to do a very good job. There's a lot more playgrounds to play in with the Marvel Studios side of the universe. So yeah, that's it. Uh, as of right now, as it stands, there is intentions to do a She-Hulk wrap-up. Uh, that will be what is coming into your feeds next week. Uh, the following week, we will be discussing Werewolf by Night. Uh, so if you haven't seen that yet, make sure you're caught up with that for our discussion of that entry. Spoiler alert, it's very good. Of course, if you did enjoy this show, at MC Need to Know, both on Twitter and Instagram, you can reach us there. But honestly, the best place to get in contact with us is in the Discord. Uh, we have threads for each show that comes out. Uh, there's a group of people who are discussing these episodes as it happens. We have threads for other pop culture things. So if you want a larger community to be a part of, it's a very good group of people that I think you would like as well. Uh, and of course, don't forget, we've got the rewatch coming up on Monday, 7 p.m. Central, which if you're listening to this the day the episode drops is tonight. And on this coming Saturday from the episode's release, October 22nd, we are going to be having our community game night. Uh, the games are free to play. Uh, I do stream the video in the Discord, so you can watch along even if you don't feel like playing. Uh, look in the event section for more details. And of course, you can always reach me in the Discord if you have any questions about anything, especially like getting the assigned role tags so you can see the spoiler sections. And of course, if you want to give direct feedback for the show, you can do it in the Discord, or you can give us a five-star rating on whatever respective platform you're listening to, as well as a review so we know how we're doing. Finally, we'd like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on the SoundCloud, which is linked in the show notes as well. That's going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. 
Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. Boom, that's an episode. Okay, so that was a good warm-up. Let's go ahead and uh, do it for real this time. Here we go. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey, and I'm continuing our...